Hello and welcome to Season 6 of Captain's Corner. We'd like to take a moment to let you know how grateful we are to you, our listeners, for making this podcast such a success. We have a great lineup of guests for you to enjoy during Season 6, so we ask you to share this podcast on your social media with your friends and family, and of course, give us a like and leave a review. We hope you guys enjoy the season. Today on the podcast, we have Tony and Lauren Dungey. Hi, friends. Thanks for joining us for Captain's Corner. It's been amazing to see how God's used this podcast over the last year and a half, and the number of downloads this last season was really remarkable. I'd encourage you, if you can, if this podcast has been a blessing to you, to share it on your own social media, particularly this episode that we have with Tony and Lauren Dungey. It was really remarkable, and I'm really thankful for their time. If you could, too, leave a review on Apple's iTunes. Give us a five stars if you can. If I can ask for that, go ahead and do that, please. That would be a blessing to us. And we're thankful to our sponsor, Arthur Alley Associated, for this season. And this has been a a real blessing for us to be able to share this. And we're looking forward to this season. Next week, we have a great interview with Commissioners Ken and Jolene Hodder. I think that will be interesting and helpful to you. And so we're really excited about this season. So our thanks to everybody who's been a part of Captain's Corner thus far. And now for the interview with Tony and Lauren Dungey. Welcome to Captain's Corner. Captain Andy Miller coming to you from Tampa, Florida. And I'm so excited to have with us today, Tony and Lauren Dungey. Tony and Lauren, welcome to Captain's Corner. Thank you. It's great to be here at Captain's Corner. Yes, thank you, Captain Andy. We're excited to be on board today. Great. Well, the reason that we're here right now in downtown Tampa is that you both have come on board with the Salvation Army to be our honorary capital campaign chair people. And it is such an honor to have you joining us for this effort. Uh, What was it that kind of got you interested and involved with the Salvation Army, Lauren? Well, you know, I met you about four years ago and we talked about kids. We talked about a lot of things, but one of the things that we talked about that we both have a passion for is the community, people. And when you talked about the Salvation Army and the need for, um, you know, the awareness that, that we need to build up services and have yeah. that housing for people that are kind of down on their luck and are having problems, it was just a no-brainer no for us. You know, right. I talked to Tony about it and I said, let's see how we can get involved. Awesome. That's wonderful. And I remember we had, you brought your prayer group, Bible study group. I did. I did. (laughs) And we had a great time. We did. But it also made me aware that people that you see on the streets, you don't know their story. Right. But many people are struggling and they need some support. And if we can do it, if we can reach out to our brothers and sisters, then we want to do it. Amen. But I actually remember that Lauren's running group. They, they ran and did Bible study, but they all talked about, hey, we want to go and serve. Where are places we can serve? And we were thinking about just organizations in the Tampa area. And someone mm-hmm. brought up the Salvation Army mm-hmm. and you said, hey, we're going to go down and explore this. And then they came back and, wow, this is awesome that you can't believe what they do. And, you know, we see the Salvation Army kettles right, uh, right, around right. the holidays, but we don't always know exactly what the Army does. Mm-hmm. And it, it's been fantastic to learn about it. Amen. Well, and, and before I go much further, I need to say the Dungey family is the number one bell ringing family. <laughs> Thank well, you. Go, we we'll have about 25 people. Right. And that's right, that's right. So we have your whole crew uh, out there. They had a ball, and we want to do it again this year. Oh, I got the commitment in. Okay, Look, good. Look, they have the highest per hour average. <laughs> so people, t- uh, you know, Tony standing there, and what happens is they get drawn in by the kids, sure. and they walk up, and then all of a sudden they see Tony, and yeah. they say, oh, coach? 
And then, then the money comes out. So it's very nice to stay and talk to Tony for a little bit. Well, I was impressed with one thing, you know, uh, we've seen each other around the community, Mm -hmm. our kids are interact and on the same team. I'm always kind of cautious um, to see you coach, like I don't want to like get in your time. I see people kind of coming up asking for pictures with both of you. And I was very cautious about that, but after you visited and we had that time of prayer, sure. you guys prayed for every person in the shelter. Then um, I was sitting down at a, a basketball game where our kids were playing. And Tony, you came up to me. And I was like, whoa, he's coming to me. And <laughs> said what an impression it made. And at, like it really was a sense like, man, I think God's doing something here yes. to bring us together for this bigger project. Well, I'd love to, I, I could talk about that project all day, <laughs> but I'd love to kind of get a little bit of your story too and get, maybe get a little bit of football here. I have to admit okay. at the start of it, kind of a, I'm a Chicago Bears fan, Ooh. Tony, of course, and we were right there for the Super Bowl, but you took it away from, oh, no, 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 no. But I, I, you couldn't give it to Lovey Smith there? You know? Well, we thought that they would get their Super Bowl trophy later on sometime, but that was a, an amazing year, 2006, yeah. and we were having a, a, a fine year. The Bears were on fire, and Lovey had worked here in Tampa, yeah. so you're kind of thinking in the back of your mind, wouldn't that be something if we could both get there? You never think it's going to happen, but it, it did. It was a wonderful season leading up to it, and then kind of when we're there having that feeling, well, one of us is going to win, so it's going to be pretty special. <laughs> it's good. If you could have just kept kicking to Devin Hester, that would have been fine. I don't even want to tell you the story. <laughs> okay. Well, I'd love to get how you all met. I've never heard that story, but I imagine there's a story there. There's definitely a story. I'll give you my version oh, Okay. First. Okay. We have a his and hers. But the short version of the story of how we met is that uh, a number of years ago, Tony and I were both in the Pittsburgh area. That's where I grew up. Okay. And our, Tony was scheduled to speak at church, a father-son okay. banquet. Okay. And the pastor said, you know, tell me a little bit about you so that I can you know, introduce you. We all know about football, but tell us a little bit more about you. And he mentioned that he was single and looking for someone. So okay. uh, the pastor immediately thought of me. Oh, and, good. And that was probably a mistake because I'm not a football fan oh, or I really? wasn't then okay and I had three brothers and you know, they were the macho guys always walking around the house you know letting us know how tough and rough they were so I when I heard about Tony I thought mm, you know sounds like a great person but the football kind of oh had really? me you were playing hesitant. for the Steelers at the time I was coaching for the Steelers coaching, okay, coaching for the Steelers okay. so he came to the house our pastor actually gave him the address because we had a hard time meeting. We had a number of services at church and we kept missing each other. So Tony eventually just came to the house and I met him and I thought, wow, you know, he's a nice guy. He's okay, but <laughs> football. No football, you did not want friends. football. Yeah. But we had a problem because when he left that day, he said, maybe I'll call you and then we'll play tennis. And I thought, maybe you'll call me. Does that mean I'm supposed to be waiting, you know, with my fingers crossed, praying that, you know, that God would bring him back. So I was like, mm, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen. But Tony's version is... Very, very close to that. But, um, very close. Amazingly, I wasn't even supposed to be there. One of okay. our players, Ted Peterson, was supposed to go. The chaplain called me the night before. Ted's sick. Oh, we need a replacement. So it was all kind of God-ordained. I got there, and I didn't tell the pastor I was looking for anyone. I just gave my speech. Oh, okay. And he, to his credit, he put us together. Um, but when I did finally get there, 
uh, after some prodding by, by her pastor. Uh, we had a great time, and I left. I said, would you mind giving me your number? I'll call you, oh. and maybe we can play tennis. It wasn't maybe in there. Yeah, I'll call you. I am going to call you, and maybe we can play tennis. But, of course, she remembers it differently, so we have to leave that But one. we're together. Amen. And if I got it right, and correct me if I'm wrong, t 10 children. Is that right? We well, have 11 children. 11 oh, children. I'm so sorry. And a number of foster children in and out of the house. But okay. right now, we've just come back from vacation, and we'll get foster kids back in the house okay. again, and the numbers will go up. Wow. But um, we, we love our kids. Yes. We love pouring into them, and we're just thrilled that God has just blessed us with so many children. Wow. And so you have three that you birthed? Is that right? Three children. And then and eight then that you've adopted and then a, a whole a host, host of, of others that come yes, in and out, right? Yes. Wow. And I love seeing them around. It is an, I mean, it is going to be a great team someday when they all get together to play sport. I've seen them. They're pretty good. When they're all together. It's hectic. But yes. you have to see them around the holidays because I do dress them alike. And so far they're, they're in agreement and we're matchy matchy, but it's cute though. It looks nice. So you've been raising kids then. You've had kids in your house for a couple three, of decades. Three decades. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Now, uh, there's a great thing too with the idea of like adopting kids and even how I think of how we all have been adopted mm -hmm. into Christ. Absolutely. This is this beautiful thing that you're able to do. God's given you this capacity to be able to have I mean, a house big enough to have right. this many. I'm sure it doesn't feel that way We're all the time. We're bursting at the seams, <laughs> but yes. Well, tell us a little bit about adoption and why it's so important. Well, actually there was a rich legacy of adoption in our family. Okay. My grandparents had children and then they adopted. Okay. My parents had two children. I'm sorry, getting it wrong. They had five children and then started doing foster care okay. and then adoption. So it was just only natural that we would do the same. And we do believe that God, you know, wants us to open our homes and that we are all adopted into his kingdom. Amen. And some children are birthed and then they right. can't stay with their families and God gives us the opportunity to raise them. So it's a, a thing that we just love, and uh, our children are excited about it too. It's hard when the right. foster children are reunited with their parents, but our children that are adopted, they're such a blessing, yeah. and we just yeah. enjoy them. Praise the Lord, thank you for talking about They that. keep us young. I'm sure they so do, they I'm sure they do. Now, uh, Tony, I've heard about your parents and how amazing they were that your mother was a speech teacher and taught Shakespeare and your, your dad. I just learned something recently that you learned something about your dad at his funeral, about his service in the military. Yeah, my dad um, was born in 1926. He was 18 years old in 1944, graduated from high school and wanted to uh, fight in World War II and, wow. and serve the country. Uh, he was interested in playing, so he wanted to go in the Air Force, but the Air Force was se segregated at that time, and he wasn't allowed to go into the main wing, and so he went down to a little place in Alabama, Tuskegee, wow. Alabama, and uh, learned how to fly, and wow. became one of the Tuskegee Airmen. Uh, and we found that out at his funeral when uh, one of his friends talked about it. Amazing. So you didn't know that growing up? No. That he was... Uh, and through your life, you didn't recognize that. And I actually interviewed a gentleman who's still living, one of the last living Tuskegee okay. Airmen, and I asked him about how he told his family, and he said, we didn't really talk about it mm -hmm. that much. It's just, it was such a, a special part. I, 
you know, they, they just didn't talk about it that wow. much, so it was surprising, but uh, mm -hmm. uh, very proud of, of that and his service. You know. And he was a professor, but he never used the fact that he had a PhD. He didn't, like, call himself doctor. No. Amazing. Uh, he, he didn't talk about those things too, too much and uh, gave us a lot of good um, recommendations and good guidance along the way. And um, a lot of the things... When I was coaching, you know, years later, I'd say my dad used to say, or my mom used to say, I think my players felt like they knew my mom. <laughs> uh, sure. From, from the things I talked about. Did, um, it, it's interesting, like I think one of the things, it's a hard thing to talk about because one of the things people recognize about both of you in the community, I recognize it, but of course you're kind of public face, Tony, is like your humility. So like, I, how do you ask a question about humility? Of course, but it's like you may pick this up from your dad. I think that that's something that people uh, admire about you is it's not a braggadocious, like I'm going to, even in sports, that you are going to put other people down, but it's a more of a building up approach. No, I, I think that is. And I, got, I was fortunate, blessed to get it from my parents who um, did some unbelievable things at that time in the 60s and 70s, yeah. especially for African-Americans. And they didn't look at it as anything special. They viewed it as this is God gave them opportunities. That's what they should do, and um, you know to try to give the Lord the glory. So yeah. uh, that was the training that I got, and that's the way I kind of always viewed it. Yeah. Well, I, that same perspective of kind of taking advantage of what God has given us, taking the opportunities and the gifts He's given us. We just were at our shelter, mm -hmm. our Red Shield Lodge. I took you on a tour there. We have 120 people who will stay there tonight. And we don't think the way we help them is to just give them things and kind of uh, keep on pouring that on. We believe God's created everybody with a capacity to thrive. Maybe some need more help, and obviously sure. they've come to a difficult place. But if we have the opportunity to kind of speak that into their lives, that mm -hmm. they can be able to thrive in life, that they're creating God's image, and that He has a plan for our life, we think they can beat homelessness. So I, that's part of like our journey here together, is that mm -hmm. we believe that there's some people in our society who have come on hard times, and we want to help them. So our, our, our appreciation to you guys for coming alongside of us. And honestly, that's one of the things that drew us to the Salvation Army is we're always looking, how can we help make Tampa a better place to live? How can we help our community? But looking for places that not only help people physically, and right. it's great to feed people and house them, and that's awesome, but to also share the gospel and talk about what's going to help you spiritually that's so important. Right. And that's been a clear, both of you Absolutely. have like a clear witness. Um, even I've, Lauren, I follow you on Facebook and Tony, I follow you on Twitter, but not just there. Sure. You know, and that's been, if, if people were to say like, well, what do you know about the Dungies or what do you know about Coach Tony Dungy? They're going to say, well, that's a Christian coach, right? I mean, they're going to, they're gonna, and, and that's a and Christian that's, family. It's an honor to, to hear that and to, for people to see that in us because we do model our lives after Christ. We want to be like Christ and we want other people to see and understand so, of course, we're always, you know, talking about the kingdom of God and how you can accept Christ into your life, but we're also living that. Amen. We want to be the hands and feet of Christ. And that was true, like, while you were, I, I know, Lauren, you had to be involved with the coaching situation I too, right? I absolutely did, yes. How, what was that like for you? What was your role when Tony was coaching? Well, I was the support. I was kind of behind the scenes, but I also had the players wives and girlfriends okay. that I worked with, and I encouraged them. Their husbands uh, were gone for long periods of time. And so I said, we could sit around and, you know, go out to lunch and have fun, 
or we can get involved in the community. So we got involved with the schools, we read to the children, we brought school supplies, we encouraged them, we, we talked about the importance of education yes. and supporting one another. And it was just a wonderful platform because who wouldn't want to have someone from the Pittsburgh Steelers? I mean, they would probably prefer to have, you know, Franco Harris or <laughs> Mean Joe Green, but if, if the wife is there, that's fine. And so we would use that opportunity to go inside and, and talk to people and encourage them. So right, right, we right. had that platform too, and it was amazing. And a lot of the, the wives didn't realize that they had anything to offer, but I let them see that they too could help out and God would use right. them as mm -hmm. well. So, so they were valuable too. So you were able. I mean, you were. were you guys weren't married when Tony was playing. No, correct. Right? But you could. You still kind of understood the football life. Absolutely. And like you had to help the wives yes. and the. Yes. And Tony, yeah. I love to just talk a little bit about coaching. And you know, people talk these days about their their coaching tree. They have these very. Do you? Who do you look at as your mentors? Would be Denny Green or Chuck Knoll or who are those people? Who are? Who's your? Who are the people you learned from the most? Well, Coach Noah was definitely the person who had the most impact on me. I was 21 years old when I got to the Steelers and just learning about things. They had won two Super Bowls, and so I'm ready to soak everything up from this guy that I'd watched on TV when I was wow. in high school. And in the first meeting, he said, don't make football your whole life. If you wow. make football your life, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to have to leave the game sometime. Wow. And you're going to be disappointed if football is your whole life. And he lived that way. Mm -hmm. And so for ten the next 10 years, playing for him and then coaching for him, I got to see that, that you could be excellent, but still have family yes. uh, values and still support the community. And uh, that was important to him. So uh, when I became a head coach, that, that was part of the way I wanted to do it. Denny Green was the same way. I worked for him for four years later on. And he, you know, gave the players days off and said, right, hey, you right. need to get in the community. He wanted to make sure that we uh, had enough family time as coaches. Right. So uh, those two guys were, were special to me. And so I tried to pass that on to the guys that worked for me, to Lovey Smith and Mike yes, Tomlin and yes. Jim Caldwell and Leslie Frazier and Rod Marinelli and all those guys that went wow. on to become head coaches. You have a pretty good tree yourself coming from Tony. <laughs> now, when you were helped, I know I have a lot of Steelers fans that listen. Um, did, you, did you win a Super Bowl with them too I as did. a player? I was part of the, the third Super Bowl, Super Bowl 13. Okay, so you have one as a player and. That's a, a trivia coach. question. Oh, there you go. Played and uh, coached. Right. Super Bowl. Not many four of us have done it. So. Wow. Oh, interesting. Okay, I didn't realize that. This episode of Captain's Corner is sponsored by Arthur Alley Associated, your partner for fundraising and mission development. Led by longtime Salvation Army fundraisers Derek Alley and Steve Wakes Norris, Arthur Alley can help your nonprofit organization or church with services like mission planning, annual and capital campaign fundraising, and coaching. Arthur Alley has the experience and insight to help your organization thrive. And they have a special offer for us today, particularly in light of the challenges we're all experiencing with COVID-19 and our Christmas goals, fundraising goals. They developed a free and easy six-step guide to ensure you have a plan to meet your Christmas fundraising goals this year. Visit ArthurAlley.com slash rescue dash Christmas to download your complimentary copy. That's Alley with two L's, ArthurAlley.com slash rescue dash Christmas to get this helpful guide today. And I know Arthur Alley consultants love working with thought leaders who carry out the mission of the Salvation Army. And I've worked with them myself and 
totally recommend them to you. So as a, as a white pastor and leader, I have admired watching you in the community to see the way that you've sensitively and biblically responded to some of the racial tension that we've experienced. And even like you've published two children's books that are, teach wonderful values, but also prominently put minority children in, in uh, positions so that kids can see themselves, imagine themselves being in that story too. So I know it's a very broad question, and, and, and you often are a very public spokesperson, Tony, about race in society, and you come at it from a Christian perspective. I would just love to hear your thoughts of this time that we're going through as a country. Well, I think you articulated it very well. Um, we have, we're going to have problems uh, in society because of sin. That's, yes. we're, we're not in a perfect world, and so things are going to come up. Uh, racism has been there for thousands of years. You read about it in the Old Testament. You sure. read about it with Moses and his wife and yeah, the criticism sure. he got. And that was, I don't know how many thousands of years ago. So there's nothing new under the sun. But the question is, how do you deal with it? How do you help make things better? And I think what Lauren and I have tried to do is share what Christ would have to say about it. What would Jesus yeah. do? I know that's a trite no. situation, but um, you know, he embraced everybody. He reached out to everybody. And that's what we try to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I and I, I lo- love to hear you even stand up for other people, like um, who are giving them opportunity to speak. Like I, I think like you made a statement yesterday. We're in the time where the NBA just like is having a bit of a, a protest, not a bit, a, a real like protest to some of the tensions that we're experiencing. So you spoke on their behalf, and then also at the same time spoke on behalf of Drew Brees, who maybe you know. Uh, that he has a chance to speak, that it's okay for him to share his opinion. And, and that's where we have to be in the, this day and age. We have to be able to speak and speak honestly. We have to be able to listen. And yes, you may take offense, but how do I then go back to that person and say, you know what, that, that hurt me or that offended me. It, it can't be just, as we're, we're saying now, the cancel culture. You say something offends me, I just cancel you right. out. Uh, that's not the way to do it. Um, we have to open up and we, we can't be afraid to say what's on our mind right we also can't be afraid to uh, respond right, and respond right. speak the truth and love so that's always been uh, I think what we've tried to do and, and tried to show and and that's that's what we need to be my my dad whenever I would talk to him uh, I'm getting back to one of those yeah, yeah, dad used to say things but whenever I would talk to him he would always listen and then he would never really give me an answer. He would just say, well, what are you going to do to make it better? What are you wow. going to do to make the situation better? You've given me all this information. Think about it. And then I'd have to say, well, I don't know. I could do this. I could do that. So that's what I'm, I'm saying to people now. Okay, we hear all this. What are you going to do to make it wow. better? Yeah. And for us, that starts with our kids. And right. Telling right. them, hey, here's what God has to say about it. Here's what the Bible says. This is what we're going to do as a family, no matter what everybody else does. This is the way we're going to do it. Yeah. And if we start there, that, that's, to Amen. me, the first step. And recognizing that that's our first responsibility is our mm-hmm. own family unit. And yours happens to be bigger than most. Right? <laughs> we could have a big impact. Right. That's Amen. And I love, I love that idea mm-hmm. of what you're doing. Lauren, do you want to add anything? No, I was just going to say, um, it's always an opportunity to pray. You know, our Amen. prayer life has been enriched so much, especially the last couple of months right. when there's been a lot of political unrest and a lot of just challenges that we've all had to deal with. 
and we are on our knees we're praying to god and he gives us the direction he gives us the wisdom and the guidance how to handle these things and so it's just amazing what prayer does in Amen. our lives thank you so much for yes. sharing that. and thank you for your both of your Absolutely. voices on this subject it means a lot i, I look to you i look to you to help thank me you. and that's really been a blessing to me I want to tell a little story here. I got a, a last week. We've been working on this campaign. We've been doing interviews at a variety of stations. We did them remotely. And I was uh, Sunday afternoon. I was working. I was working on my sermon for the next week. And I get my phone is ringing. And I look down and says Tony Dungy. So I, I still get. A, I'm a little nervous even now. Okay, just throw it out there. So I'm like, okay. Well, I'm answering this call. And I'm like, okay, what is it? We've been trying to get things together for this event we're doing today. This wall breaking event. And then Tony, you're you're so excited uh, to tell me that you kind of had, that Jeff Vinnick. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll let you tell well, a story. And, yeah. and it's the same thing for the, that you experienced. I'm at home and my phone rings and I get to it late and I get the message and it shows up Jeff Vinnick from the the lightning. And so why would Jeff Vinnick be calling me? So I returned the call and he said. My wife and I have been, we, we want to make Tampa a better place. We're always looking for things. We saw you and your wife supporting this uh, Salvation Army cause. We don't know much about it. We'd like to learn about it. Sounds like a great idea. I was on the phone for him with about five minutes, and he said, I think we want to support that. It was awesome. And he's come through with a major contribution. And I have to tell you, this is like, I don't know if he'll ever hear this, but I'm glad if he does. Jeff, you know, glad for you to listen. But I have been trying to get to him for four and a half years. I mean, I've tried every way. I mean, we want, I mean, people have said to me, well, when I come to town, we have this project. They say, have you, have you thought about Jeff Vinnick? I'm like, have I thought about Jeff Vinnick? Of course I want to get him involved. But it's just amazing how your support has already opened up many doors for us. And I think this, these are doors for the gospel as we have the opportunity to proclaim this good news to help people when they're in need. So it means so much to have people like you on our team. And um, well, for me to be on your team, for us to be on God's team together sure, here. Absolutely. Um, I want to ask one more question and then we'll, we don't have any more, much more time. But Tony, if there's somebody who is listening and isn't following Christ and is wondering about, you know, what this is all about, what could you say to encourage them maybe to, to take a step of faith? I, I would say something, again, I go back, my mom used to say, <laughs> yeah, great. Uh, when, for as long as I can remember, my mother just uh, always talked to us about a verse, her favorite verse in the Bible, Matthew 16, 26, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world but forfeit his soul? And it doesn't matter if you're an English teacher at Jackson High School or a, a sixth grade teacher like Lauren was in, mm -hmm. in Sewickley, Pennsylvania, or you're a football coach, or you're a star football player. It doesn't matter. You can get any of that, but if you forfeit your soul, if you don't have a relationship with God, at the end of the day, that teaching certificate's gonna be gone at some point, that football career is gonna be gone. Uh, whatever you think is important, is really not going to matter. It's yeah. going to be you and your personal relationship with the Lord. And she used to say that all the time. Yeah. And it kind of went in one ear and out the other when I was younger. But then when I started playing in the National Football League and I would see guys who were 35, 36 years old, had made millions of dollars and won Super Bowl rings, and you see their personal life and, and see at the end of the day, gosh, that's not where I want to be. So that is... I think Lauren and I, um, our really main goal is to explain that to people. That, hey, you can look at us and think, 
oh, hey, they've got you know great family, a lot of kids yeah. and accolades and all that. But if it's not a relationship mm-hmm. with Christ, it, it does, it's not going to amount to anything. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Lauren, what are we about to do here at 115 <laughs> or so? We are excited. We're going to have a wall-breaking ceremony. Boom. We're going to swing that hammer <laughs> and break the walls down, and we are going to start the construction of a new building. Amen. And that will be an opportunity to house more people and offer more services for those in the Tampa area. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me on Captain's Corner. You all are blessing to us, and we'll continue to pray that God uses you for this with the Salvation Army, but in all the ways that He directs your path. Amen. Amen. Thank, Amen. You. thank you. Thank you, you for having us. Next week on the podcast, we have the national leaders of the Salvation Army, Commissioners Kenneth and Jolene Hodder. If you'd like to learn more about the Salvation Army of Tampa, check us out at tampasa.org and give us a follow on Twitter at SalArmyTampa. And of course, go ahead and subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.